Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a moment and relax. Everything else that's going on, just let it fall by the wayside. Just be reminded that where you are is exactly where God wants you and that your spirit, who you truly are, knows exactly why, knows what God is doing, what he has purposed for you, and that it's for your good, it's for your benefit. That's kind of where we start, that, that you're here on this earth still for your good. It's for your benefit. If God wanted to, you know, change everything with the blink of an eye, he could do it. If he wanted to make everybody a Christian, he could do it. He's got a different purpose in mind, and it's the process is what's important. So we've been talking in this series about coming up with a personal strategy, coming up with a personal plan and schedule. We've been talking a lot about three aspects, which are just a starting point. If you want to use three other things or two other things or one other thing, fine. Do Do whatever works for you. But what's important is to come up with something you can do, practically speaking, and start wherever you at, wherever you're at. If you are someone who is who finds uh, fasting easy, find something else. If you if you've got the whole idea of of waiting on God, you can wait for God for for hours or days. Find something else to do. Our our purpose is not to get good at one thing or another. It's to be, for our soul, to be reunited with our spirit. A lot of times we have this idea that God's purpose for us is to have an impact on others, on our world, our community, our neighbors. And sometimes he puts us in a situation where we can have an impact on our world, our community, our neighbors. But even in those cases, it's so that we benefit. So how do we benefit? It is through the process of our day-to-day lives that our soul is reunited with our spirit. And we've talked many times about thinking of our soul as a two-sided coin, that half of the side God's, is God's job. It's his business. And on the other side, it's where we are learning to live with a full, intact soul connected to our spirit. In other words, what can our soul do? So on the one side, God is healing our soul. He's restoring our soul He's quickening our mind. He's 
healing our emotions. He's teaching us to receive unconditional forgiveness, unconditional love, unconditional significance. He's, he's teaching us how to live with our soul connected to our spirit. And for that to happen, our soul has to be, our soul's needs need to be met. When your soul's need, our needs are met, you don't need yourself. And again, yourself is, we could even say, you know, just for illustration purposes, Yourself is a mirror image of your soul. It looks like you. It talks like you. It sounds like you. It behaves like you. But it's not you. It's a reflection. And it's a protection. It's a defense mechanism, a coping mechanism. It's a way for your soul to get its needs met without going to spirit. But God wants you to go to spirit. So he's not going to let yourself, your mirror image, work. Instead, he puts us in a situation where we have no one to turn to but him. Because now that we're a Christian, now that you've been born again, you've been re-spirited. And the proper and only healthy place for your soul is to be reunited with your spirit. God and God alone knows how to do that, how to restore your soul. And so as we spend time with him and as we, as we treat each day as an opportunity and go through whatever situation and circumstance he has for us, gradually over time, you know, he... he shows us where we're believing lies. He's giving us healing for generational curses, for trauma that we ourselves have experienced. And sometimes we don't even know things that he's healing and restoring. And that's fine. That's his choice. He's, he knows what he's doing. He's got the plan. He's got the blueprints. He knows your past, your present, and your future. And so does your spirit. So does your spirit, which is truly who you are. You are a spirit being. Not a soulical being, not a human being. You are a spirit being that has a soul that's presently living in the body that, that God gifted you for your time here on this earth. So that's one side of the coin. We can't do anything. We, we can't speed things up for him. We can't, you know, direct him, you know, God deal with this part over here. You know, we, he's got his timetable. He's going to do what he wants on that side of the coin. But now on the other side of the coin, we can put our effort into learning to live as a spirit that has a soul. This part, you know, part of what Jesus learned as he was walking around here on this earth. He had to learn. He was, you know, clearly perfectly God. You know, perfect spirit with a soul lives in a, lived in a body. But he still had to learn how to live in his body and how to live with that soul, the soul that God had gifted him. 
Now, we're not going to try to figure out, okay, when did Jesus get a soul or anything like that. The whole point being that the way he functioned here on this earth, except for always being a spirit being and, and, and therefore sinless and without, soul, without self, he experienced the same process of learning and growth that you and I do. Again, he didn't have to deal with, he never had to have his soul restored. Now, he did have to learn how to get his soul healed because he was afflicted in all ways we were. Well, he, you know, to say he was rejected, yeah, by his family, by his, you know, um, country countrymen, by the apostles, by... You know, how many different people rejected him from from his youth? You know, what he experienced during his ministry. Certainly he was, you know, rejected and abandoned and accused and, and tormented. And then he had, you know, the devil after him. And he had this world system after him. He had, he had the religious after him. He had everything after him. And that's the way... God wanted it. His Father wanted it that way because that was what was necessary for Jesus to accomplish his purpose. Now, again, we we talked before about his purpose being twofold. One was to be the Savior of the world. There's only one person who can do that, and that was his assignment, and he did it, and, and that's done. But his other job was to teach his disciples, those who were following, how to live with their soul being reunited to their spirit, even though they didn't have one, but with their body here on this earth. How to, they were going to have to think about Adam and Eve. When they were kicked out of the garden, they had to learn how to live from from square one. You and I, when we became Christians, we had the opposite. We have to learn, relearn how to live as a spirit being from square one. And one of the misbeliefs, one of the lies, the myths that that hinder us is that we don't have to do anything until we die and we're in heaven and then we're just going to sit on thrones with crowns and judge nations and judge angels and, you know, walk on streets of gold and sit around and hang out with, with Jesus and read the Bible. You know, we all have different things that we've been taught about what the next thing is, about when we die. What's next? The sweet by and by. You know, why you know, why should we tolerate? Why should we put up with this earth? What what good is it to stay here on this earth when there's nothing we can do about our existence, our situation, our circumstances? You know, we're taught we need to learn how to pray. And yet, you know, think about how long it's been since people have been told that. You know, how, how important, you know, teach us to pray. And how, you know, after all these, you know, 
thousands of years and how many millions of Christians. And if anyone had learned how to effectively pray, truly effectively pray, if, if, that's, if we believe that prayer is what moves God, wouldn't God be moved by now? There's so many people praying for so long with their whole heart, with their full devotion, with prayer and fasting, etc., etc. Wouldn't God have done something by now if he wanted to? So our, one of our challenges is we have pieces of information. And this is why we end up wounded and uh, uh, believing incorrect doctrine or, or focusing too much on doctrine is we have pieces of information and we draw conclusions because we want to understand. We want to know how we're doing and we want to control God. If we could figure out Okay, what does it take? How many people need to be on a prayer chain in order for it to be an effective prayer? You know, five, 25, 65, 6,500? What's the magic number? If everybody's praying, you know, in one accord, we're all in agreement, what number? Is there a magic number that if we're all doing that, then God will respond? He will hear and respond. Or maybe our understanding of prayer and moving God is incorrect. Maybe we need to just let him tell us and reveal himself and, and explain himself and teach us how to live without understanding, without a preconceived idea, without even a goal. Without a goal, being able to say, okay, my goal, you know, I'll know I'm a good Christian when. I know I'll, I'll know I'm in the middle of God's will when. And just fill in the blank. How do you know you're a Christian? How do you know you're a good Christian? How do you know God loves you? And how often have we come up with the answers to those questions? God doesn't mind us at all asking those questions, asking any question. Our problem is ourself gets in there, that our mirror image gets in there and is a reflection of the answer, a filter through a glass darkly. We, we have wax in our ears. We have a, a, a veil over our eyes. We can't hear him clearly. We don't understand him clearly. But you know what? We can make stuff up that sounds good. You know, how many different religions, how many belief systems have there been? You know, even before Christianity, it's always amazed me. You know, here we've got the Bible and you know, from the Torah, from to the judges, to the prophets, to then the letters of, of Paul and the, the letters of the, uh, you know, the written accounts of the history of, of when Jesus was walking on the earth. 
then, you know, even to the prophecy of, of Revelation. And yet, think about it. We we talk about the Old Covenant and then the New Testament. And in the book itself, in the Holy Bible itself, the people who wrote the first part of that book did not come to the conclusion that Jesus was the Savior. They do not connect, and I'm not just talking about the Jewish people, but other people who have connections to other aspects of what we call the Old Testament. They don't believe that Jesus fulfilled what was prophesied to them, what was promised. Most of them believe that Jesus was a a prophet and a wise man, but not that he was the Son of God, and not that he was the central figure of their belief system. We rely on their writing. And not and again, not to tear this down, not to say that there's you know not a, a great deal of value in uh, in the all the every book in the Bible, but it's not the source of our faith. The source of our faith is the experiencing of God. Our faith is not to believe in God. A faith. Our faith is an extension of belief in God, of experience, of knowledge, of history. When, when he's made himself known, when we see the things in us that he has freed us from, that he has healed us from, that he has changed in us, when we've learned how to trust him, how to know him, that he's reliable, and we start to see ourselves not through a glass darkly, but we start to experience our own spirit. We, when we are drawn to something we don't understand, when we are faced with the, the questions that don't have answers, and we can say, I don't need the answers. You're the God. I understand that. And when we're, we're, you know, whatever it is we're we're looking for, whatever healing or uh, wholeness we're looking for, and when He accomplishes those things, we we see, in, regardless of our actions, our faithfulness, our persistence, our patience, our you know uh, ability to to wait on Him or speak in tongues or heal the the you know, raise the dead and and heal the blind. Regardless of that, when we know that God is real to us by experience, that answers our questions. Because then we don't have to have the answers. You know, we don't even have to have the questions. We can just, you know, how did how did God describe himself? I am. Simply, I am. And say, so, you know, there's places he says, I'm the God of your fathers. He describes himself. But then when, when he says, who are you? You know, uh, and Jesus talks to him, have, you know, have I been so long with you that you don't recognize the Father? He is. God is. To try to describe an aspect of him. 
And it's not that he can't be described. It's just we don't have the words. We don't have the capacity with our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, the way our soul is now. We don't have the capacity to explain, to understand, to perceive, because our soul is still so trapped behind that glass, darkly, behind that dark glass, behind sunglasses. You know, and it's like being out in the, on, in, on the, in the sun on the beach, and it's so bright, and the reflection off the water is so bright that we can't take our sunglasses off. We, we start to take it off, and it hurts, so we put them right back down. Well, that's what we're experiencing here on this earth. Learning, okay, how to use a whole other set of eyes, a whole other set of understanding. But just as we learned how to use our natural being, we're learning how to use our supernatural being. So practically speaking, what are we doing here? We're going to let God take care of his part. And he's going to heal and restore, and we're going to be grateful and rejoice. And there's going to be times when he shows us the healing, and sometimes we feel the healing. Sometimes we know something has changed, our perception changes, etc., etc. Things we, we can see what he's doing. A lot of times we don't. A lot of times we don't see what he's doing. We don't know. But we know we can have confidence because we know him. We have confidence that he's doing exactly the right thing. He's, he's always on time. He's on track. No enemy can stand against him. It's like, you know, we don't need to be concerned about the process he's on. He's always going to pick the right thing that needs to be worked on. So we can just let that side of us, the the part of our soul that needs to be healed, the part of our self that needs to be unneeded. You know, I think what happens is as our soul our soul's needs are met as we are learn how to receive unconditional love. That part of our mirror reflection, our, our, our self, just dies. It just is no longer necessary. And as that happens, there's no barrier between our soul being reunited to our spirit in that area. We talked before about the spirit and the soul being like Velcro, like that hook and eye plastic stuff. And uh, the, the, the hook and the eye can't be connected if there's self in the way. So, like, if you have the hook and the eye and you've got, you know, a piece of steel in between there, it doesn't matter how hard you try to connect this, the, the hook and the eye, the two sides of the Velcro, it won't work because there's something keeping it from being connected. God is the only one who can remove that that plate of steel between the hook and the eye, between the two sides. And that's what he's doing. And we can trust him to do it in his time, according to his order, his priorities, but it's always going to be it's always going to result in our soul being reunited with our spirit. 
by that steel plate being removed, even if it's just in that one area. Now, the goal is that we would become one, spirit, soul, and body. And, you know, down the road we'll talk about the body, but right now we're just focusing on on the soul and the spirit. So over time, that we're, our, the Velcro is going to become one. Every, every hook and every loop, your soul is going to be one with your spirit. I don't know that that's happened to anybody here on this earth besides Jesus, besides Christ, and Adam and Eve. You know, some have gotten more of their Velcro snapped together than others. But, uh, you know, we just don't know what's going to come next. But that's his goal, so it would be one. So we can trust him with that side of the coin. Our side of the coin is to live our lives on a moment-by-moment basis, accepting that we are here to learn, to live as a spirit being that has a soul and lives in a body. And part of that process, not all of it, but a big part of it, is to learn how to live with a, a healthy soul. Because remember, your, your soul is getting healthier and healthier. And I'm using that term healthy in a restorative sense, that your soul is being returned to its originally created state. Like, uh, you know, uh, anyway, it's, it, it's being returned to what God originally created your soul to be. So your soul is having to relearn how to be a soul. If you, ha- if you broke your leg and you had to have surgery and then you had to have a cast and maybe you were even in a wheelchair, it's immobilized while it's healing. But then once it's healing, once it's healed and you, you're out of the, you, you get the cast removed, you have to learn how to rewalk with that leg. You may still have to use your wheelchair for a while, and you have to do physical therapy to get the muscles back work. You know, if you just tried to jump up, odds are you could fall back down again, maybe even break something again. So that's what's going on with our soul, is our soul has been broken and separated from its atrophied. Your soul has atrophied. It's forgotten how to do its thing. Your soul has been putting all its attention into its mirror image, into controlling, into meeting it, trying to get its own needs met. So now when we come back and go, okay, now the cast has been removed. Now that you know that this is something that, that you need to learn to do, it's, it's objective, there's a simplicity to it, there's a habit and there's a redundancy. This is just something, it's like if you wanted to run a marathon. Let's say there's a marathon, a 26 you know, mile, uh, a marathon coming up this Saturday. Odds are, unless you've already been training, there's no amount of training you could do to have you complete that in the allotted time. It, you're just, it just would not be possible. Uh, for mo- and, and let's just say for most people. 
because we've, we're, we're not ready. We've not been training. Our soul has not been learning how to be a soul. So that's what we can focus on. So that as our soul is joined to our spirit, our soul is ready to get out of that wheelchair and to start the physical therapy. Because we've done the physical therapy, now when God says, okay, go you know, leap over that mountain, go run that marathon, go do this, go do that, we're ready because we've taken, the part, taken care to get our body and our soul into condition where it can be ready and available when God says, okay, this part of your soul is healed. Now you can learn to see how it, it was meant to be working. So don't make it complicated. We've talked about those three things, but however you want to approach it, if you just want to approach it, you know, that, that you're going to learn how to speak in tongues or you're going to raise the dead or you're going to, you know, if you have a problem with, you know, interpersonal issues, whatever it is, let the Lord um, help you understand what part of your soul we, that you need to be in contact with and overcome your enemies. Let him guide you, but take it objectively. Start where you're at and go from there. So thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainer's Radio. Have a great night.